Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today in our call, we have back the CEO, Steve Levely from Accrue. Accrue trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol AKR and on the OTC under AKRFF. The company is currently trading at 8 cents with roughly 116 million shares outstanding. We're about a $9 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks a lot, uh, Trev. Um, Steve, it's been a long time since we've seen each other. It's, uh, I think, by my, my calculation, over a year. So, yeah, it has been. Yeah, so very happy to have you back. Um, but before we dive into this, um, the uh, ACRU, uh, some, some of our listeners probably haven't heard the story before, but uh, others have. Why don't you refresh everybody's memory and tell us uh, what ACRU is all about before you jump? Well, I, you know, we've got a presentation deck. Why don't we just jump into the presentation deck and let you go? Sure, I'll, I'll do a, a hurry up offense with regards to the, the deck itself. Um, you know, the name accrue, it comes from, you know, accruing companies and, and, and offerings. Um, the initial name used to be based on accruing rewards and customers. We were initially a marketing business selling gift card and loyalty to merchants. And as time gone, has gone on, we turned it into a consolidation business where we've been acquiring gift card and loyalty companies over the past few years. And most recently kind of expanded into acquiring payment and point of sale companies. So we're a, we're a, a merchant acquirer um, with regards to like offerings, but a merchant services provider with regards to customers. You know, from a vision standpoint, it really was about that consolidation and simplification of the industry. You know, we saw a very fragmented marketplace in the gift and loyalty space. So initially we started out, you know, acquiring lots of gift and loyalty providers, um, but then our partners became our competitors in payment and point of sale. So we've been slowly acquiring into those spaces as well and, and offering that. And what it does for us is it kind of gives us this really good combined offering for merchants. So now we have a marketing business and marketing product. We have a payments offering, which is more of like a, we're like a payment broker. So, you know, we negotiate payment rates for our, our, our customers and debit and credit, but we've been buying some niche point of sale solutions. And even since we last talked, we've even bought another one. Um, so we've been buying more into the point of sale space. We find that that's that necessary operational tool that, that's needed for a business to operate, a general merchant, um, at the same time offering our, our still our marketing product and a payment solution. So we kind of do it across four industries, petroleum, hospitality, automotive, and retail. So we kind of diversified ourselves across multiple verticals, which you'd argue, why would you get so diversified? You just talked about diversifying products, having a marketing product, a payment, and a point of sale product. We also did across four verticals, and we did that initially because our marketing products you know, allowed us to be diversified. But we've noticed that being the diversification of our business actually made us stronger through things like COVID, through different things like, you know, just the general industry itself, we kind of feel a bit protected. Um, so we've stayed focused on consolidation with regards to like the different industries and the different products. But where we put a lot of focus is kind of two key things. One is innovating our product to be a self-serve product, um, which plays really well into the SMB market while also integrating all these techs together. So where the, the business gets exciting and interesting is when we not only own all these techs, but we actually bring them all together into a combined offering. So, you know, from a general business standpoint, lots of values to the tech with regards to doing gift card and loyalty. As a consumer, I got it early days and doing marketing and generating data. 
but the payment and point of sales steps that we've taken in the last 24 months have been big for us because we're seeing a lot of people in the space, they're stepping into our world. So it's important that we stepped into theirs. So we've got this kind of broad offering now for any merchant. So think of you're a retailer or a restaurant or a car dealership, we provide all these solutions all in one, one shop now. If you think of our revenues, we've done well as a business. You know, I took over in 2014, um, you know, we went public in 2012 and we've steadily grown the business year over year, um, primarily through our acquisition strategy. So yes, we've maintained a very basic organic growth business, but we've taken steps inorganically once I took over because I saw how fragmented it was. So a lot of the growth of the crew has been through acquisition. Lots of competitors that are out there that are in our space that, you know, we're able to acquire their business. The greater majority of the costs are people costs. So, you know, we don't require all their staffing. So there's a normalization that we can do where we can combine the, the to two entities. We have a finance team. We have engineers. We have salespeople. So we're able to kind of combine the entities together and generate much bigger earnings for us and grow the business that way. When you're small, it's a bit distracting because your whole business becomes focused on inorganic growth and not a lot on organic growth um, because of that. So we've had kind of a limp to long organic growth business, not insignificant, but it's not as significant with a big focus on, on inorganic growth. It's only over the last year, there's been a lot of pressure, primarily from our board, to be more focused on organic than inorganic. Um, so there's been a bit of a shift that's been happening after our last acquisition, where we've been asked to kind of be more organic focused than inorganic focused, which has been harder for us. So it's been a bit of, of a harder struggle because we've been in inorganic business for eight years. Making that pivot to be organic first and inorganic second um, is hard, and we're going through that right now. Um, but fundamentally for us, you know, and me personally, I think the inorganic business, there's a long runway there of opportunity for us. Um, it's the, the kerneling of what I pivoted us to into eight years ago that I think long-term us going back to the inorganic first and organic second will be a thing, where, but in the future, hopefully a better balance. Um, and that's what's sort of driven our growth. From an earnings perspective, um, you can sort of see early days, there was plenty of losses, but really what took us from losses to profitability was an acquisition. Um, uh, at the very end of 2017, we did an acquisition of a gift card loyalty company that allowed us to actually step into profitability. And we've never turned back since. We've been profitable, not just every year, but every quarter since then, um, driving our business forward. Again, driven a lot by the M&A side of our business, um, but lots of steady growth for the business. Because again, in the software side of it, all the costs are people. Now that we got over that hump of revenue of that baseline staffing, we really don't need to be layering as much staff as revenue. So you're able to kind of control the lever of profitability moving forward. Um, you know, you can sort of test some things, but we've been able to kind of maintain that. Organically, we've had an approach that kind of has three pieces to it. So, you know, we now that we're getting more product offerings, we can cross sell. So taking that gift card only merchant and selling them digital gift cards and promotions and loyalty and, and then payments and point of sale. So there's a cross sell opportunity for us. We sell a lot through our partnerships. So guys that still sell payment and point of sale refer their clients to us in the marketing side of it. So there's still a partnership play there. Um, but then there's direct sales. You know, we've got a vast offering now that our reps can actually go out and knock on doors to win business. So that's kind of how we're winning in that respect. Our technology is all about integrating it together in, into a combined offering. So our point of sale will integrate to our gift and loyalty, will integrate to our payment offering. So it's one solution. And the other is geographically. We were heavily saturated in Canada where 90% of our revenue is Canadian, only 10% is in, this, in the US. So it's expanding our business, not just product wise, but also geographic wise is, is our plan for organic growth. Um, it's been slower than we'd like, but, it's, um, but there is a path there that I think by the combination of these solutions together should unlock a lot of organic opportunity for us. 
our inorganic growth strategy has been pretty steady. Every year we bought one or two companies um, and we've done 11 acquisitions um, since early days of Accrue. Um, I don't know if my, my screen here is blocking it a little bit. Maybe that helps. Um, but, uh, but we've done 11 acquisitions and we've always paid anywhere between one and a half to two and a half times revenue. Um, you notice that I'm not talking about earnings because after we buy the businesses, their earnings are not what our earnings are because we're able to take those businesses, reduce a lot of the costs in them. And what they maybe they're making a 10% EBITDA, we would be making a 50% EBITDA because we have a different um, uh, allocation of capital back, a, a different cost allocation, sorry, back into the business to allow us to grow. So our whole goal is how do we buy and do a four to five year payback? How do we take a business and within four to five years, we have a full payback of our investment with lots of upside. And you can sort of see on the bottom line there, I talk a bit about some of the upside. So yes, you know, we want to build a plan with a four to five year payback. But then what else? Well, strategically, we wanted to get into the gift card business from a fulfillment perspective, which means going into distribution. So think of like Loblaws and when you buy those gift cards and um, through companies like Blackhawk Network, we want to get into that world. And we wanted to get into automotive more and into mobile, into gas stations, into payments, and what have you. So there's always an extra reason, but from a pure cash perspective and how we want to manage our business is how do we acquire things that we can then pay back within four to five years with lots of intrinsic value. From a financial highlights perspective, um, we've had a, a, a drop in retention rate where we've always been historically before COVID about a, a four to 5% attrition business. We were at 8% last year, we were 10% the year before, and that attrition, you know, it's affected our revenues the last two years. Um, so we've actually seen much more attrition than we've ever seen um, through the business. And we even saw a lot of it through our loyalty customers. We didn't have uh, very much attrition in, gift card, in our gift card business, that actually stayed static and grew. Um, we've actually seen our, our new POS businesses um, either, either stay static or grow and see with our, pay, our payments business. But what we saw uh, extra uh, decline in was our loyalty customers. And we actually even had our two largest customers actually move on to other programs. Um, and so with that, the good news is we have less saturation as a business. And in, in, our, in our MDNA, you'll see there's no longer a single customer that has more than 10% of the revenues that accrue. So that's a big win over the last year. But with that, those loyalty accounts leaving affected attrition. So you're spending a lot of time through acquisition and organic growth to kind of make up for it. So we've had more attrition than, nor than normal, but even at an 8% attrition rate, it's very manageable, even just organically. Our gross margins are high because we don't have a lot of cost of goods sold. Our recurring revenue to total revenue ratios are very strong. Um, our EBITDA margin at the end of, of Q3 was at 11%. Um, we, we're going to be updating our, our audited financials at the end of this month. So you'll see the actual uh, total amount for the year. But we've been trending back to where we were back in 2020. We had a 20% EBITDA business at the end of 2020. We made investments last year in our organic business early on, which didn't pay back fast. So we kind of like pulled a quick lever in the summer saying, well, you know, this is a slower play organically that maybe we should control our costs a bit more to get our earnings back up. So you saw a big kind of pull of the, of the, the handbrake, if you will, in the summer where we got the earnings back up because we had single digit earnings for the first time in, in years from a percentage standpoint. Um, so we've got that back on track to get back to that 10 to 20% EBITDA moving forward. So the major milestones, again, we started in 2012. I took over at the end of 2014, but we had to kind of restart. When I took over, it was, wasn't just take over the business, but I rolled the shares back 10 to one, did an initial financing that introduced a lot of the people that you're familiar with, Paul, in the Microcap Club. That's actually when they got involved was really January, 2015 was the real restart of the company. And we've been building from there through acquisition and, and different bolt-on wins for the business. And we've had the share price kind of go through a whole journey there as well. Um, and most recently, you know, I mentioned last year, we did our last acquisition. Our last acquisition was in the spring of 2021, which was an automotive 
dealer management system. So back in the point of sale world, which has been great for us. It's already grown 10% since we've acquired it. So there's some organic growth that's happened there, which is exciting for us. What's next for us is actually how do we integrate our marketing product to it and how do we integrate our payments um, products to it so we have that full combined offering going into the marketplace. We're going to keep, I mentioned about the, the, you know, the board's push for organic first, inorganic second, um, and, and, but, it, but inorganic is still not insignificant. I think the inorganic business is really important. I think it's a big driver of growth for us as a business. Personally, I'm, I'm a big advocate of it. Um, and so I think we will continue to acquire in the future um, and still stick to our plan of how do you buy things that are not just accredited, but they add not just technology, but talent. You know, what's been hard for a crew is that as we're getting bigger, there's more strain at an executive level. And so how do I get more people beside me to help better manage this business um, and, and provide better leadership into the company? So talent is a big thing we're trying to acquire. Still want to normalize within a year and then have at least that 40% EBITDA. Um, contribution, because that allows us to get within that five-year range we talked about earlier. So if I have at least a 40% contribution within five years, I get my payback, because we pay on average about two times, one and a half to two and a half is the range. So it allows us to get there. But with that sweet spot for us being, um, you know, that medium-sized business, anything that's smaller than we are, we're not buying things that are bigger than a crew at this stage. We've been buying everything that's a bit smaller than us. <clears throat> our business model is really simple. We charge a one-time setup fee to get set up on any of our platforms, and they pick our subscription model. Pay us a monthly fee that ranges from 25 to 1,000 bucks a month, which on average is about $86 per month right now, and it keeps growing. Um, so it's how do we get that subscription business and cross-selling the different solutions. And then there still is other one-time fees. Like we can look at financial statements. We have, you know, custom development that we'll do or like email marketing that we provide. Um, people buy plastic cards and collateral. And that generates about 15 bucks per location per month on average for us. So we make about $100 per location per month across our businesses. Even with our past, we were this gift card pure company. We've stepped into marketing and payment and point of sale and data. Um, but really we're pivoting. We're pivoting around where you're seeing the point of sale products being more the center of what we are and payment and marketing being, being the differentiators. And what's good for us is that we're entering the market as a marketing, you know, that's the core of what we are today. It's what we know really well. So as we buy these point of sale solutions, we're able to bolt in this really strong marketing and payment offering um, that we think differentiates us in a smart way. So we're going to do it across all four verticals, though. We've only bought POS for, we bought a golf course point of sale to play in retail. We bought a automotive point of sale for automotive. We have not bought for petroleum or hospitality yet, um, but those things are in front of us. Um, and so we can kind of control that ecosystem. Just market's big across our different solutions. You know, we've got a pretty good share on the golf side and on the automotive side um, relative to the others um, with regards to, you know, our payment, our marketing business. Um, as we're sort of chewing away at it, but there's a massive addressable market that we're kind of working through through our different organic uh, initiatives, but also inorganically. My inorganic pipeline continues to grow, it's not shrinking. So this is an example of, of, of the accounts that we've had in 2021. So this would be an updated heat map for you, Paul, that you guys wouldn't have seen last year, but I had it the year before. But you can sort of get a feel of what we added organically in the business. You can see a heavy concentration in Canada. We don't really sell a lot organically yet in the States. So there's something to be unlocked there. But our acquisition was all US-based. It was a US-based acquisition. So you can see that, you know, where all the concentration was areas like around Florida and what have you. So we decided to buy not just, you know, strategically into point of sale, but into the US because we see a big opportunity for that market. So how do we better sort of leverage um, those areas? And I believe that through acquisition, you can also acquire into new markets, not just grow into them. From a client perspective, you know, we've got clients across large, medium, and small. But our sweet spot as a business is that medium-sized merchant. So call it that five to 100 location brand. 
um, that you know has a lot of needs that we provide a lot of value for. Um, we do really well supporting them, developing them, and growing them. It doesn't mean that we don't still have some of the larger brands that we've acquired, whether it be organically or inorganically. But what we do really well is that mid-market merchant. Um, our platform is still affordable for the small merchants from a single location perspective, um, or that less than five location perspective. But really, what we're built really well for is that mid-market merchant. Lots of partners in our space. Um, so, you know, really, really necessity to kind of be making sure that you're partnering with everybody because there's lots of different technology partners. We're talking about integrating with people. Lots of competitors in this space. It's very fragmented, like I mentioned before, hence the, the acquisition in, uh, in, in organic opportunity here. But where you're not, you know, um, acquiring, you can also be partnering. So we most recently um, press released a partnership into golf. So, you know, where it doesn't make sense to acquire, we're going to try to partner more of an organic play versus inorganic play. So we're going to leverage more, more partnership angles here as well um, to kind of keep expanding into the space. We see a lot of differentiation in what we're doing from regards to the diversification of products, diversification of verticals. It makes it harder and wider. So maybe it's a slower path as opposed to, to narrow, but we think it's a much safer um, play from a, an investor and a business perspective to have that diversity um, and the breadth of offering that we have. We feel really good about where the tech is going. Um, we're getting smarter with our acquisitions because we're kind of able to kind of play a bit of Frankenstein. We're able to kind of see what our competitors have done and do it better and different and really, you know, normalize and optimize every single time. Um, and, you know, we talked about even our share price. I think we're at a, we're at a, a very low, an all-time low. So I used to say I thought we were a, a growth stock because <laughs> we were growing as a business, even though last year was our first flat year since I took over. Um, as we worked through, you know, the, the delay of COVID hitting us and the attrition that we saw, um, so it was our first flat year since I took over. Um, but for us, you know, now I believe that we're at a value point. You know, we're trading at what one and a half times revenue at this stage. Um, you know, which is for us, it's it's the lowest we've traded at in quite some time for a business that's generating a pretty strong EBITDA. Um, you know, we're back to that ten to twenty percent EBITDA range now as a business. So we've got a healthy business that's going to get growing again. Um, but you know, we've we've been weathering the, you know, the the industry. The industry, you know, the light speeds of the world, the new bays of the world, the shop of the world, we've had some industry tailwinds sort of hitting us in the face from a, a market perspective that it kind of is working a bit against us that we're kind of starting to, to, to chew through. And we, we believe as we execute and continue to do well, the markets will respond favorably to us. Our share structure is 150 million shares outstanding. There's some options and warrants outstanding. Um, those warrants are at 18 cents um, and they expire in 18 months from now. Um, our market cap when I did this deck was at 12 million, although you heard today we're, we're down to actually 10, but we're still high, uh, tightly held between, uh, tightly held, sorry, between management and insiders. So not a huge float that's out there. This is our executive team and our senior leadership team, our board of directors currently, and that is it. So that's my hurry up offense on the deck, Paul, <laughs> um, <laughs> as best I could. <laughs> Great, great job. I mean, you, you answered a lot of my questions. So you, okay. you not only did it in a speedy fashion, but you covered a lot of stuff I needed to, to cover here. Um, you know, we sort of covered 2021. Uh, you give us a bit of a roadmap in 2022. What, what do you see as your real big uh, objectives here in 2022, apart from, you know, standard sort of growth and stuff? What Any, any other major milestones you hope to accomplish? I think the big one, there's, there's probably a few. So one is, you know, how do we better validate our organic business? Um, and through, you know, I talked about, we've seen a decline in the loyalty business, but for me, it's the upgrades. Like, how do we get better at upgrading our customers around the cross sell of our products? So, you know, we did a bit better last year than we did the year before, 
But I'd love to see a much bigger jump forward this year where we get even more effective at that upgrade, that cross-sell upsell of our solutions because we've got diversified offerings now, right? We've got digital gifting, we've got regular loyalty, we've got point of sale, we have payments. So a big milestone for us is getting more of our customers using more of our products together. Um, so that's the first. Um, I really want to see our recurring revenue get over that $100 mark. So that's another milestone we're aiming for where recurring revenue gets to that $100 or plus. And as we sell more of our point of sale solutions where we make two to $400 a month for those products, as opposed to gift card and loyalty, we make only 50 to 100, we'll see those averages go up. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked about acquisitions. Will there be one later in this year? Um, initially, we were planning for the first half of the year. Um, that's been put on ice. But by, by the end of the year, there should be ideally another as the organic business starts to perform. I'd like to see another acquisition happen for the business because um, we've learned a lot. We grow a lot from them. Um, so I'd like to see that happen. Um, and then really, it's just, you know, I, as we get bigger, it gets easier to accrue. As the business gets bigger, it gets easier, not just from a, a steep perspective, because obviously the markets want to hear that there's growth happening, but we're at that critical mass of we only have 35 employees right now, and we run a pretty much a 200K per employee model. So, you know, we, we, we try to run a, a disciplined business for every $200,000 of revenue, we have a staff member. So it allows us to pay them well, contribute earnings back to the markets, cover all of our costs and what have you based on what our, our, our financial model is. So as we grow more, we can hire more. And we're at that point where it's, we're diversified and it's hard. It's still a little hard right now, but we're not far away from getting really easy. I've been saying to our board at that eight to $10 million range is where it gets, starts to get easy for us. Mm -hmm. We're now you're at 40 to 50 staff and that 40 to 50 staff at, an, at a senior level, at a junior level, takes a lot of pressure off the business to really execute effectively. So I want to see us cross those milestones too, Paul, where there's a bit of that revenue jump, which creates even more ease in the business because you've got more bodies in the business to help while still maintaining that 200K per employee model that we've been guiding towards. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Now, I think I saw one of your slides, you're, you're seeing about 750K in cash, I think as of yeah. the last quarter. Um, yeah. Does that sort of get you where you want to be this year? Or do you think you might have to go back to the market, raise a little more money? We don't need to raise any money at this stage. I mean, we've got the 750K of cash. We have a $1.6 million line of credit. Um, and so like right now, especially because we're focusing on the organic business early on, <laughs> there's no need for the investor community. Um, it's not to say that if the right opportunity popped up that I wouldn't reach out, but at this stage, it doesn't make sense to do a financing. There isn't a plan to do a financing right now or in the near future at all, um, especially seeing our stock price where it is, right? Um, if anything, we anticipated that our warrants would be the next financing, to be honest. The warrants at 18 cents would be the next financing we have come into the business um, was the hope and expectation for the company. Not really doing a finance between now and 18 cents. And those warrants, how much, what's the expiry? How much time's left on those warrants? So November, 2023. So 18 months. Okay. So they're not way out. Um, but the expectation was that those warrants would be the next financing. And, it's, and it represents four and a half million dollars for the business. Right. Gotcha. Um, now, I, one of the questions that came in, you sort of answered in the slide, and I just want to bring it up again, but your, your cost of acquisition per customer versus your long-term value per customer, I saw uh, $1,200 as far as the cost of acquisition and uh, versus a 9,000 LTV. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. Okay, and, it, and, it, and it floats a little bit, but about that 1000 to 1200 has been the range for the past mm -hmm. while. So you'd argue, just keep throwing gasoline on, on it. And it's, and, and it's true. You theoretically just keep spending that 1200 bucks like crazy, but there's a science to it because, you know, we're still figuring out where do you pour that gas, right? right? And so there's a bit of testing to figure out where the gas needs to go to figure out how to really unlock it. But mm -hmm. where we've been pouring the gas, we're getting that nice, you know, $9,000 to $1,200 return 
um, which we think is good. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to keep testing it. And when we kind of get the magic figured out, we will we'll unlock it a bit bigger. Um, because whereas I'd argue or, uh, inorganically right now, Paul, the cost requires probably more like $2,000, probably twice as expensive to buy it inorganically than it is organically for us. Mm -hmm. But it's faster. It's right. guaranteed um, and uh, predictable and repeatable. So there's mm -hmm. so it's about twice as expensive or inorganically than it is organically. Mm -hmm. um, so hence why the organic is the dream. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but the ratios are still good. So that's why I still like doing it. Mm -hmm. And Steve, like, how does your, your sales rep, do, do they literally pound the street? Do they get out there and knock on doors? Or is this more of a, uh, an online sales? What, what can you tell us there? Well, the sales guys are heavily, um, they're, they're, they're knocking on the doors of their partners. So the guys okay. that are out there selling debit and credit and point of sale that don't have a, that they don't even have a marketing product, um, they're introducing us to them. Right. So they really leverage that partnership um, to sell um, the marketing product. So there's a very channel partner model there, but when it comes to point of sale and payments, like payments, we're just cross-selling our current customers. We're just mm -hmm. saying, Hey, Mr. Customer, you're already with us. Why don't you do payments through us? If you didn't come through us through one of our partnerships, because we, we acquired your business, do payment with us. But point of sale is a full direct sales. We're knocking on doors. We're trying to get referral programs with our own customer base saying, Hey, Mr. Customer, get us a customer. We'll give you a 10% discount on your recurring revenue because that one customer is worth more to us. So we're doing campaigns with our own customers, turning our customers into referral partners for us to kind of create that networking effect. Mm -hmm. So we're using our customers as channels, our partners as channels, and then outside of that knocking on doors to win. Gotcha. And, and what's, what, what are the biggest challenges you're facing right now? Uh, I, I think like the loyalty business is, has been harder. It surprises mm -hmm. me that, um, that I would have thought in times like COVID, that's where people want to throw lots of money at marketing, right. but it's been much more conservative, um, the marketing side of it. So that's, um, so there's been less, there's less um, aggressive spend in marketing, um, mm -hmm. lots more spend in payments, point of sale, the operational tools are necessary and what have you. So we're doing well there and gift has been great for us because it's a currency type, um, but the loyalty marketing side of it's been a challenge. I'd say people is the other challenge. I tell everybody there's always two things I lose sleep over. It's people and speed. Mm -hmm. um, it's been hard, the people aspect of business through COVID, and I keep pointing at COVID, but it's, it's changed the businesses that we work with and changed us as a, as a business ourselves. More attrition of staff. We've had more turnover of staff in the last 24 months than we've had since I took over mm -hmm. um, in eight years. So because people are trying to see if the grass is greener on the other side. So there's, and when you're 80% of your costs are people costs, that's mm -hmm. hard. So we're literally gonna hire a second HR person for a 35 person company because it's, it's hard, the people right. piece, because right now I'm the backup to HR. And yeah. so, so the people piece is, it's hard um, right now. And then the other is speed. I feel like the industry just keeps moving faster. Mm -hmm. Like the digital wave, it's faster. You know, consolidation is faster. Everything is faster. Um, so speed and people will be the other thing. So yes, loyalty marketing is a struggle, mm -hmm. but people and speed are the fundamental things I lose sleep over. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we get the people right get more people, which is the revenue thing I was saying before, while also getting the speed right. How do you do things swiftly and nimbly? And as a small company, that's supposed to be your advantage. Move quick, be nimble, right. be the speedboat, not the Titanic. Um, so it's us trying to make sure that we're, we're doing that well and effectively. Yeah. Steve, it's amazing how many uh, CEOs we've talked to and that, that the term people being uh, one of their challenges, it's, it's across the board. It's every industry yeah. we, we, we speak with. So it's, you're, you're certainly not the only one there. Um, now, over the last couple of years, you've uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got a very interesting board of directors um, and a lot of different skill sets there. Maybe talk a little bit to that. Um, certainly, there's there's a couple individuals and one in particular that I'm I'm very familiar with. But maybe yeah. maybe talk to to who you've got on the board and what they what they bring to the table for you. Yeah, so we, I mean, the initial board, and I can even do them in order of how they've joined us. Um, we initially had, uh, when I took over, the initial board, like, left. So uh, our first board member with myself was Sam Cole. He's our, he's our lawyer for Accru. He's a corporate securities lawyer. He acts as our secretary, helps organize our meetings. So he creates a lot of governance and controls for the business. So he, he provides a very vital role there. Um, Wayne O'Connell joined us um, years ago because of our CFO uh, our past CFO had a relationship with him. We needed an audit chair. So we brought him in. He owns, he owns an, his own auditing firm. So he's been an audit chair. Um, so that's his main function. We then had Chris Apps, who you know, um, join us as well um, because we were looking for a technology guy. We wanted somebody who understood technology, um, who could talk to our team about tech, about marketing. He had sold a marketing technology company um, and he got introduced through the Market Cap Clubs. So that's where Chris Apps joined us. Um, we then had kind of an interest in getting somebody who had capital markets expertise. And Jason Donville was knocking on our door, um, but we didn't go to him. He kind of came to us and said, look, I want to get involved with um, consolidated businesses. Um, we were open to it, even though he deals with much bigger companies. We thought it was odd that he wanted to talk to us because really his sweet spot is, you know, $250 million market cap companies are bigger. But he had an interest in kind of learning about us as a small business, as a consolidator, because I think one of his big investments was Constellation Software. So for him, it was interesting to kind of see from the ground floor what it was like. Um, so that was why he joined us um, from a capital markets perspective. And then lastly, um, Francis Shen joined us a year and a half ago, um, really to kind of come in where I think once again, they have an interest in the consolidation business. His last company, Astra, that's how they, he was there for 30 years. But how that really got big for them is they, they consolidated uh, a dying industry. The, the telecom industry was dying. He didn't, instead of reinventing it, he just ripped cash out of it and got cash out of these businesses um, managed it really efficiently and effectively, sold it for a huge return. Um, so he has an interest in those consolidated businesses. Um, and because we're a consolidator, he had an interest in ours and, and trying to show us or teach us um, his, his methodology and, and seeing if we can introduce it into a crew. Fantastic. Yep. Um, so, I mean, we've covered a, a number of things. Uh, I think you've done a great job doing that. Um, but from, from an investor standpoint now, looking sort of at our group here or, or other investors, what, what do you think should be the key metrics or catalysts that we should be watching out for to make sure that a crew is sort of hitting its uh, business line? I think one is seeing our EBITDAs continue to sustain or ideally grow. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we stay profitable as a business, that EBITDA positive business, you don't ever want to see us dip into the negatives again. Um, so making sure that we're being disciplined in how we manage our business. So even if there is any fluctuations in revenues, we're, you know, we're being smart citizens with regards to how we operate our business. So that's one. I think seeing our business uh, recurring revenue grow is a big important one that annual recurring revenue is more important than the one-time revenue. Like our one-time revenue is also what's pulled back. People are spending less on collateral and emails and what have you. Seeing our recurring revenue consistently grow both as an average per location, but overall is an important metric to be following. Um, and then just sort of seeing little things like I was saying about the upgrade side of it. As we start selling more solutions to our customers, getting more clients cross-selling and upselling, it makes it much stickier. Our value proposition gets stronger. Um, and I think those are things that we think a lot about and talk a lot about here within the, the walls of a crew that I think as an investor, seeing us do more of that is a positive thing. And then Steve, lastly, is there anything we missed? Is there any sort of key takeaway or parting message you want to make sure that everybody walks away with today? 
Yeah, I think, you know, we're going through a change as a business. Um, you know, the, this past 12 months specifically has been hard for the business on, you know, are we pivoting in the right direction? Like, I, you know, is this organic first, inorganic second, the right decision for the company, right? Or should we be sticking to our, 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 our roots of inorganic first and organic second? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's, there's some stuff we're still figuring out, to be honest. Um, and, and knowing that, how does that change the business and the people around the business, right? And, um, you know, knowing our size and knowing that I believe that for me, a crew is not um, an evergreen situation for me. So the one thing I will tell you, Paul, is that my plan isn't to be in a crew for the next 50 years. This isn't a lifestyle business for me. My vision or my, my why was I had a broken business that I wanted to get involved with years ago, make it better but I want to sell the business. So my vision is to sell it. And so the other thing that's going on right now is not just a discussion around inorganic versus organic, but also at what point do we sell? At what point do we go from being the consolidator to the consolidated? And, um, and I personally am open to that discussion because I think um, at this stage, we're gonna get to a point where it's gonna make more sense for us to be consolidated than to consolidate. And as, as people continue to knock on my door around this, um, that's in front of us. And whether it's one year or three years or five years, I just believe a big next step for the business is, yes, we buy companies that are broken. We fix them up and make them good. But at some point, someone's going to want to do the same to us. Mm. And, and just like we're being consult, we're consulting ourselves. I think that's another thing. So there's, there's a big change that's happening over the last 12 months of the business around how do we want to grow? How do we want to go? But long-term, I want this packaged up for someone else's hands to take it from good to great. And, and when that happens, the time will tell, but that's kind of where we're leaning towards, which is what I wouldn't have told you a year and three months ago. Um, I just recognize now that, you know, the why of what I'm up to was I wanted to take a business that was broken, make it good. So a fragmented marketplace, and we're doing that over and over again, taking lots of broken businesses, making them good. But at some point, I want an exit to happen with regards to a sale of the business. And that won't be that far out where we get that premium to market all the investors are going to love seeing. We're going to see it take the business from good to great. You know, the staff will be excited because it be purchased by something probably bigger. So that's something that's in front of us that, uh, that I talk about more openly now that I have in the past. Fantastic. Um, Steve, uh, if somebody wants more information on the business, what's the best way to contact you or, or a rep at the, the company? I think the best is it's, it's still, you know, at our size, it's still me. Um, I don't have an IR person per se. So emailing me is ideal, right? I'm always super available through email. So send me any emailed questions around the business. Um, I'm, you know, just be a bit patient, but I'm usually pretty good on email is the best way. And if it requires a follow-up call, happy to have one. Fantastic. Well, listen, we've been uh, speaking with Steve Levely, uh, CEO of Acru Incorporated, symbols AKR on the Venture Exchange. Uh, Steve, always great to catch up with you. And listen, we wish you uh, good fortune uh, in the future here. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the time. Thanks a lot.